Hello and welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain podcast. I am your host, Radha Palamaru, Managing Director of Alpha Global. Our mission is to connect the supply chain ecosystem in Asia and globally by bringing forward the most interesting leaders in the industry. And I'm very happy to have with us today Dan Bartel, who is the Chief Procurement Officer of Schneider Electric. As you may know, Schneider Electric is a global leader in the energy management field providing software, hardware, and services solutions with a combined revenue of close to 26 billion euros last year. Dan joined Schneider Electric in the beginning of 2019 and is based in Hong Kong. In his current role, he is leading the 13 billion euro procurement spend that cuts across 200 plus manufacturing factories and 100 plus distribution centers in 44 countries. He leads the establishment of processes, tools, systems, and organizational competencies to manage change towards the supply base as an extension of the company enterprise. Prior to joining Schneider Electric, he served several roles in procurement and logistics at ABB, ultimately serving as the group's SVP and head of procurement and logistics based in Zurich, Switzerland. He has 24 years of global experience in procurement and supply chain management, primarily in the energy and automation industries. Dan, pleasure to have you with us today and thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Radu. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I'll start with a question from, uh, from one of our listeners who has obviously been following you for a while because he read an article that you wrote or you contributed to three years back in which you were talking about Industrial Revolution 4.0 um, and you were asking at that time um, a couple of questions link linked to what the effects of this fourth Industrial Revolution will, will be on procurement and also what can leaders of the procurement function do to lead the change. So this was three years ago. What has happened in this span of the last uh, three years and how have things changed? Yeah, you know, I think it's quite uh, interesting to reflect on that. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind uh, is, is Amara's law, right? Which says that we, we tend to overestimate the effect of a technology in the short run and underestimate the effect in, in the long run. And I think that applies uh, to, to some of those, the, the points I made in that article. Um, uh, but while other points I think have, have actually accelerated even beyond what, what I anticipated three years ago. Um, you know, one thing I talked about there was customer expectations and the fact that they're shifting. Um, what I've seen in the last few years is um, a, a dramatic shift, say in, in um, Uh, in, in expectations with respect to response time, with respect to agility. Um, I think uh, in today's day and age, uh, forecasting is actually futile. Um, and agility and speed really are the key to, to succeeding with respect to meeting customer expectations. Um, you know, we've seen one of the most dramatic um, cycles in the semiconductor industry in the last few years, for example. Um, the most dramatic I've seen in, in, in my career anyway, um, that which, which I think few people were, were predicting um, the, the, the level and the degree to which um, that, that cycle um, came up on us. And now we're seeing kind of the, the backlash of that as well in terms of um, uh, excess inventories and stocks piling up. So uh, being able to anticipate customer expectations, I think, is becoming more and more challenging and um, being able to, to react quickly uh, to shifting expectations Um, is, is becoming more and more a key differentiator. Um, I think I also talked in that article about how, how products are being more and more enhanced by, by data. What I've seen is, you know, when I look at what Schneider is, is taking to the market today, a vast majority of what we're selling 
um, are, are connected products, which is not the case um, just a few years ago. Um, EcoStructure is Schneider's IoT-enabled architecture uh, and platform that we put in homes, buildings, data centers, uh, infrastructure. Um, it's got innovation at every level, you know, connected products, um, connected to the edge, um, on-site with, uh, with apps, analytics, and services layered across the top. And we're truly selling now you know, a, a value-based solution rather than individual uh, one-off products. So that's been a big shift. I also talked about partnerships, um, how new partnerships are, are being formed as, as companies learn the importance of new forms of collaboration. Um, and I would say that collaborative innovation has become more and more the norm um, in, in many industries. Um, and procurement more and more is playing a leading role in defining the relationships um, with suppliers in these collaborations, managing those commercial relationships with those partners. Um, and I'd say in Schneider, we're doing this um, uh, not only with mature companies, but also with, with a lot of startup companies uh, that are bringing new innovations into the marketplace. Um, the last thing I talked about in, the, in that article was operating models and how they're transforming. Um, and, and this is, uh, at least in, in the industrial segment, I'd say this still has uh, a lot of room to, to grow. Um, but, uh, you know, asset light is uh, uh, a trend um, that uh, is becoming more and more prominent. Um, you know, when, when you think about a company like Schneider, um, one thing we want to be really good at is current interruption, right? So we want to develop the, the, the latest and greatest uh, circuit breaker. That's where we want to put our money. We don't want to put our money so much in uh, a new surface mount electronic line or injection molding machines, uh, non-core activities. We're going to focus on the core, go asset light with production and, and, and make your investments in, in your core technologies. So I think a lot's changed. I think um, some of it has evolved as, as, um, uh, as anticipated, some went much faster and other aspects have, have proceeded much, much slower. But I think the, 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 the trend and the, the, all of the aspects I talked about with respect to procurement's role um, are still very valid in my view. And uh, if you were to make um... Um, expert guess, let's call it like that, because ultimately nobody can predict the future. But what would you say that in the next three years um, will be the evolution of procurement? Any big pointers and, um, and areas where you, you see it evolving and how exactly do you see the next three years panning out? Yeah, great question. Um, first thing that comes to mind is, is digitization. Yeah. Um, kind of uh, on one hand enabling what we do in procurement and on the other hand really kind of challenging uh, what we do. And what I mean by that is, you know, digitization has a, absolutely has a super important role in enabling kind of the traditional uh, procurement processes from source to contract and from procure to pay, right? So it, having our buyers um, and our supply chain managers spending less time in front of computers and more time in front of suppliers and in front of uh, internal stakeholders by, by simplifying and digitizing the processes, uh, the transactional processes of, of their daily jobs. And on the other hand, you have advanced analytics and, and artificial intelligence um, uh, sitting on top of these giant data lakes that we're able to, to collect nowadays, uh, really challenging what we're doing um, and asking questions and getting insights that we hadn't considered in in the past. Uh, just one specific example uh, from, from my recent past. 
um, you know, we're in an environment in, in Schneider Electric and many of our, our competitors are in a similar environment where there's uh, many different ERP systems in the company. So anytime we make a global contract and we want to implement those terms in the system, um, lots of transactions have to be done manually all over the world in dozens and dozens of different systems in order to apply those terms. Um, in, in a recent role that I had, we, we did an analysis. Some, someone asked the question, a very senior leader in the company challenged us and said, hey, you know, I think you probably have leakage on your payment terms. You know, you're negotiating all these extended terms, but I'm not seeing it in the DPO, what's going on? Um, we ended up finding through, through some uh, big data analytics uh, hundreds of millions uh, in cash that was uh, leaking because we weren't current on our on our payment terms in all the different systems. So it just goes to show that um, uh, if you ask the right questions of your data and you apply these advanced analytics tools um, to answer those questions, you can unlock value that you didn't know existed before. So digitization um, is absolutely something that's on the on the forefront in the next few years. I would say simplification is up there as well. I think um, many supply chains have far too many suppliers, far too many uh, connections uh, from suppliers to factories, um, and a simplification of that network um, can also unlock a lot of value. So we spend less time on transactional topics and, and much more time on you know, strategic supplier relationship development. So simplification plays a role. Uh, I talked about partnership. Um, that's definitely uh, something that will differentiate uh, the winning procurement teams in the future. Those that can really truly collaborate with their suppliers, um, creating joint competitive advantages um, uh, and, and really taking advantage of, of the value that suppliers can bring uh, to, to our own company's uh, product offering um, is, is an important differentiator in the future. And, and last but not least, uh, I bring the point again of agility. Um, you know, building a, a, an agile and robust supply network, one that's resilient, um, having teams that are agile and dealing with big changes in the external environment. Uh, I mentioned the semiconductor crisis that we had recently. You could also point to the, 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 the ongoing trade war, which has tempered a bit in, in the recent past, but is still a real issue and a, and a real risk. You know, those teams that are most agile in reacting to those kind of situations are the ones that are that are going to win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's 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 a fact for sure. Related to the C level, the CEO, and and the role of procurement in the overall organization, because um, yeah, sometimes it's it's a bit of a depending on the organization. Sometimes it's a bit of a fuzzy line. Uh, how important is procurement? How strategic is procurement? I think everybody is trying uh, from the procurement function to to position procurement as a business partner. How do you see this? How do you see CEO, the CEO seeing procurement uh, to, in, in this equation of, of adding it to the success of the company? And how is the procurement agenda in itself linked to the overall company in general? Yeah, so, you know, I've been, it feels like I've been fighting my whole career for the relevance of procurement with, uh, with the C-level. Um, but I've seen, especially in, in the last, say, five years or so, a big shift in the understanding and the appreciation, really, of the value that procurement can bring to the company. In fact, when I think about Schneider Electric, it's, you know, I'm relatively new in the company. I came in in March of this year. And one of the biggest reasons that I selected Schneider is um, because of the C-level commitment that the company has to, to, to the function of procurement. They see 
um, the, the value that we can bring in supporting the top line, supporting the bottom line of, of the business. Um, so when you look at the facts uh, in a company like ours, 50% of the revenue is, uh, is leaving the company uh, through procurement, through um, external purchases. Um, roughly 70% of the cost of goods sold is, um, is managed by, by our function. So if we do that um, poorly, we really can damage the company. If we do that particularly well, we can create a competitive advantage. And I think um, you know, the, 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 the CEOs, the CFOs that, that recognize that um, and that make investments in procurement to uh, enable us to, to um, uh, support the financial performance of the company are the ones that are, that, that are, that are gonna win, frankly. Um, and to your point about you know, how, how, how do we link procurement to the overall company ambition, um, I think one, one thing that uh, some procurement leaders can improve is just in how they communicate what they do um, and in what they do and how it supports the agenda of the business. And how we position it in, in Schneider is, uh, you know, we put the customer first, right? Any smart CEO is going to do that. Whatever the customer is trying to achieve, try to figure out your, your role in making that happen. And for us, there's three things that we do um, to, to do that. First of all, we, we support the top line growth of the business, right? We do that through assuring good quality, through bringing um, external technologies into our product offering, right? Um, secondly, we support the bottom line of the business, and that's really core to any procurement function, driving you know, um, cost reductions on a continuous basis, on a reliable basis, driving cash improvements through extended payment terms and, and inventory reductions. That's kind of really core to what um, any procurement function needs to deliver for the business. And then third, we need to do these things in a sustainable way, right? So we have um, a certain corporate social responsibility that we need to hold our suppliers accountable to. And we need to drive you know, uh, compliance of our products uh, to, to environmental um, and social, social standards as well. So it's about you know, supporting the top line of the business, uh, enabling the, the bottom line growth, and doing those things in a sustainable manner. A bit more detailed tactical question. What is the current organizational design of Schneider procurement when it comes to maybe category, I mean, all of you, right? Category management, regional heads. How do you, how do you structure it in a way that uh, optimizes it for best agility, success, performance? Yeah, you know, I think there's no uh, one answer to what, what's the, the ideal organization setup. I think one we have in Schneider is not so bad, though. Um, it is, um, I would say, more or less fully centralized. Um, and it has been for about the last decade or so. Um, and I think that, that's a, that gives us a certain advantage. So um, everyone in the company is now kind of conditioned to expect procurement to do its job. So we're not so much fighting for a seat at the table. Um, we're, uh, we're getting pulled from the business to, to, to execute the buy, which is a good place to start. And how we do that, we have uh, three main pillars of the organization. Uh, the first one being category management. So we have three main pillars uh, to our organization setup. The first being category management. And with category management, we're, we're driving the sourcing strategy. Um, we are um, uh, leading the, the relationship management of all of our strategic suppliers around the world. And we're focused on, on, on categories that are delivering the most value for the business, right? The category management is, is one pillar and something that I think most procurement organizations 
uh, need to have in order to be effective. Um, we have one team dedicated for offer creation or new product development sourcing. So their mission is to enable you know, on-time, on-cost product launches. Um, and they're typically co-located with the business. So they're with you know, the, the, the marketing and research and development teams um, assuring that um, we, we bring in the external technologies that we need to support the product development and also that we, we comply to the, the sourcing strategies set up by the category management team and our supplier selections. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third pillar is, is the regional pillar. So we have, of course, uh, about 200 factories all around the world. Um, so we embed procurement folks in all of those factories, uh, just mainly driving execution. Right. Um, so you have category management setting the strategy, new product development, um, uh, assuring you know, that long-term we're complying to those strategies and we bring in the external technologies and the regional team executing, getting the job done on a day-to-day -day basis. And then one small organization that is, is uh, globally transversal driving and enablement around a few different topics, one being quality, right? Something we're trying to continuously improve. Uh, sustainability, which is a big agenda for us in Schneider, and and of course the digital transformation, which is a, a big change um, and and one that requires some global support. Mm. Specifically for the sustainability agenda, which is a big topic uh, of discussion across the board uh, in MNCs, how are you contributing to the sustainable agenda of Schneider from a procurement perspective? Um, also, maybe if you can give us some examples of sustainable sourcing methods or, or, or practices that, that you have in the company. Yeah, you know, sustainability is, is on the top of the agenda for, for Schneider um, as a corporation. Our mission um, with respect to sustainability is to provide energy and automation digital solutions for efficiency and, and also for sustainability. So in procurement, our mission is directly in line with that. Um, we set really high standards for our suppliers with respect to sustainability um, and kind of two areas, one being corporate social responsibility and the other being uh, product compliance. With respect to the, the corporate social responsibility, you know, we're, we're a French company, uh, so we have to comply to the French duty of vi vigilance law, right, which uh, is mainly driving compliance on, on social topics related to, to human rights and, and to the environment. Um, we also drive compliance to conflict minerals. Uh, you know, conflict minerals is, is a U.S. you know SEC uh, regulation. Um, Schneider is not subject to uh, SEC reporting, but we still feel responsible to to make sure that we drive that social agenda forward. So we hold all of our suppliers accountable for for compliance to the conflict minerals uh, regulation in the U.S. Um, and then. Uh, ISO 26000 is, is a standard right, that we hold all of our suppliers accountable to and that we execute through, through our partner, um, Ecovatus. So those are the main social responsibility aspects. Um, from a product compliance standpoint, uh, in different companies organize that in different ways. In Schneider, we've decided to lead product compliance uh, from procurement, mainly because uh, most of the work is in uh, interactions with suppliers and, and confirming uh, the content of the products that we're that we're buying from them. So, what I mean by product compliance are things like reach, uh, Rojas compliance, uh, California's Proposition 65. There's many others um, that that certain products need to comply to. Um, and then maybe the last remark to make on on the topic of sustainability is is related to 
uh, recent announcements of our chairman and CEO, Jean-Pascal Tricois. Um, you know, previously Schneider had the commitment to be net zero carbon by 2030. Uh, we've recently announced that we've moved that up to 2025. Um, and in addition to that, we've made a commitment to have our entire supply chain uh, net zero carbon by 2050. Now, 2050 sounds pretty far away, but we have tens of thousands of suppliers, <laughs> all of which emit carbon uh, to some degree. Uh, so it's a, it's a big challenge that, that's on our plate now that's just uh, been put in front of us to, to drive uh, toward a net zero carbon supply chain in the future. Mm. Well, I mean, definitely good to hear. And then I'm, I'm really hoping that more and more companies follow. Um, we've seen some some great uh, great announcements. Also, I, I will name them because I think that they do need to be named for the, all the good work that they've done as well. Uh, Unilever, specifically, they've done some some tremendous work also in the sustainability aspect of their supply chain. Uh, U.S. Schneider Electric are leading the way as well, and also, I mean, actually through your solutions, um, I think uh, you can enable and you will continue to enable a lot of a lot of your clients to manage their energy. Uh, consumption better and obviously energy does uh, translate into a more sustainable way of doing business if you do it well. Um, so that's always great to hear because uh, obviously it's something that we should all care deeply about since we only have one planet. Um, I also want to shift a little bit the uh, conversation to something that you mentioned. You mentioned agility and there is definitely an innate challenge between uh, agile and, and flexible type of an approach uh, and a standard sourcing process that a lot of times needs to be put into place. Um, how do you, and is there a way in the first place to manage this conundrum? And, and maybe if you can share some example, uh, examples of where sourcing process is still agile whilst maybe streamlined in, in some other ways. Yeah, you know, we, we definitely need to be flexible and, and more agile with these processes. You know, on one hand, we, we want our stakeholders internally to be compliant, right, and uh, to, to procurement processes uh, so that we assure, you know, professional job is done in, in sourcing the products and services that support our business. But on the other hand, you know, um, be, because our, our customers' uh, behavior is becoming more diverse and more unpredictable, we have to become more agile and more more streamlined in, in those processes. So it, it definitely is a, a well-recognized uh, conundrum from, from my side. A couple of the things um, I'd say that, that we can do about that, first and foremost is digitization, which I talked about before. You know, um, If you can take those processes and, and make them as touchless as possible, um, then uh, that, that's a boost, right? But that's not the entire answer, not, not by a long shot. Um, I think partnering with suppliers um, can really simplify things. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, um, we've had a, a selection of a, a handful of what we call strategic end game suppliers. These are the suppliers where we've made a long-term commitment to each other, right, to grow the business together. Um, and where we're shifting substantial amounts of business um, from our tail suppliers into these strategic end game suppliers. And in doing so, you know, rather than sit and negotiate every individual line item, we've agreed to uh, shift large chunks of business kind of in, in market baskets, right? And not worry about haggling over each individual uh, price. Rather, we set up some, some commercial rules as to how pricing will be automatically calculated. Um, so there's things like that that can really streamline. 
And then one other good example I would say is uh, the negotiation process. And maybe come, coming back to the topic of electronic components, you know, we in the past have spent hours and even, even days sitting together with suppliers with lists of hundreds or even thousands of part numbers haggling over individual prices. Um, and, and we do it because we want to drive productivity. We need to get cost reductions uh, to, to the business. Um, and, and we're very, we're an engineering company. We're very detail oriented and we think that is a good way of driving value. The problem with it is it's terribly inefficient, takes a lot of time for both us and the supplier. So we've totally changed in the last few months the way that we run these negotiations. Um, what we do instead is we invite suppliers in, um, usually around 20 to 30 um, on any given day. Uh, we, we have some executive speeches with them, let them know what's going on in our business. We have some workshops with them around you know, the new digital tools that we're rolling out, for example. And then we sit with them individually and, and have negotiations. We limit the time to only two hours. Uh, again, we don't talk about individual line item pricing. We talk about the entire package. We put all the commercial issues on the table. We resolve them in a matter of a couple of hours after you know a couple of months of preparing for the meeting for sure. But the interaction itself is very streamlined. And at the end, we, we sign a term sheet uh, on both sides that confirms what our agreement is and the negotiation is done. Yeah, so I think, um, to, to, sort of, to sort of recap, we have to do, there's certain things we're always going to have to do just from a compliance standpoint. So we have to digitize as much as possible to get rid of that transactional stuff. Partnering with suppliers and raising that level of trust um, between us and the suppliers is an important aspect. And then you know, things like this negotiation process change, we have to change the business processes themselves to make them more, more agile and, and more streamlined. Moving, moving uh, uh, to a very specific, uh, specific group of companies, uh, which are actually it's, it's not. I mean, yeah, you, companies. It's it's startups, right? So when you deal with startups, because we know for a fact that innovation, uh, to a large extent, is driven by small companies, is driven by nimble companies, is driven by um, this type of startups that have been maybe around for one two years um, on the market. How is there, and, and you've already given some examples, but specifically for this category of, of engagements, do you have certain um, other ways or, or more particular ways in which to connect to make sure that you don't miss out on this rich innovation coming, coming through uh, the startup environment? Because you have obviously payment terms, you have legal aspects to take care of, you have a bunch of considerations when you make a contract, and startups are quite a different ballgame to deal with altogether. Yeah, you know, if, if we were just to apply our standard out-of-the-box practices with respect to like supplier audits, for example, for a startup, it would never make it through the first gate, <laughs> especially an early, um, early phase uh, startup company. So um, absolutely a, a customized approach is, is required. And for me, there's, there's a handful of things that um, need to be done differently. And, and, and this is how we manage it in, in Schneider. Um, first of all, you know, the, the team that is managing those relationships is, is special. They, they need to be um, you know, not necessarily dedicated to that, but um, uh, they need to be uh, have the right level of experience in managing these complex relationships, right? Uh, and they need to be less so, you know, procurement professionals and really more kind of uh, business professionals with a, with a real business mindset and entrepreneurial mindset so they can communicate well, right, with uh, with, with the startups. Also, it helps a lot to have 
some, some real tangible uh, expertise in the category um, so they can speak intelligently to the founders, right? Um, and they need to be agile, adept, lean in, in, how, in how they work, right? Can't be too, too rigid from a, a process standpoint. So you have to have kind of the right, um, uh, say, type of people uh, running those relationships. Uh, second would be that, you know, the processes and the tools that you use need to be special. They need to be um, much leaner um, and, and more flexible, say, than, than the traditional tools. So I, I mentioned the, the qualification process. We have um, kind of a staged qualification process for startups that we follow um, that is not really qualification. It's more assessment resulting in, in an improvement action plan that we agree with, with the founders, right? Um, we also check much more closely with startups on the strategic fit. So we, we don't assess their business processes because usually they don't have many. We assess instead their business plan, right? Where, where they're taking their company uh, just to make sure that it's uh, well aligned with um, how we see that, that technology and that relationship developing. Mm -hmm. um, third, I would say is, is the connection with stakeholders internally. You know, we can have a, a marketing manager um, who's, who's uh, super excited about developing a relationship with, with a startup. We need to connect with that person um, very early in the process, make sure that they are following our processes. You know, while the processes are, are streamlined, we still need to follow professional procurement processes to make sure that we, we bring the relationship up in the, in the, in the right way. Um, you know, a continuous risk assessment is, is also something that, that needs to be done uh, together with that stakeholder to make sure that we, we, we create something together with the startup that, that in the end is, is viable. And then I would say just the last point um, would be coaching and development. You know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a different kind of thing. We are with a, a more mature company. You just set an expectation, point out the gaps and, and let them do the work with a startup. You really have to help them along. Um, you really have to help them through that development plan, bring them the resources they need to, to close the gaps, um, really help them hands-on with their business model as the relationship goes forward. Um, and, and help develop it into something that, um, that can really bring value to Schneider. So it's definitely um, an area where I see uh, opportunity uh, to support, coming back to one of your earlier questions about how do you um, see us aligning to the, the, the goals of the business. Um, you know, our, our collaboration with startups and our work in procurement in developing those relationships is um, a very big enabler um, to to uh, the revenue, the top line growth of the business. And since since you're on this point, I need to ask you the million dollar question: um, How do you how do you measure what what are the metrics that you use to measure success of procurement in Schneider Electric? And I think we have that saying across procurement: uh, how to measure value beyond savings, because in a lot of organizations, I'm Unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know what to call it. And procurement is saying, okay, can you cut costs? Can you cut costs? And this, this is the only or the, the primary measure of success. But we both know that there's not really a partnership and it's not really a long-term necessarily view. So how, how, what's your metrics for, for knowing that procurement in Schneider Electric is successful? Yeah, well, we, we, we love KPIs, so we've got a lot of them. <laughs> um, and... and uh, some are quite traditional, um, and we'll always have those traditional KPIs, by the way. And some are a little bit more progressive. So maybe I'll talk about the traditional ones first. You know, first and foremost, it's it's cost reduction or savings or what we in Schneider call productivity. Um, you know, year over year, getting uh, costs out 
of, of the external buy um, is always going to be the center stage of procurement in, in my view. We, you know, we, we talk about all these interesting, sexy things about uh, uh, growing the top line of the business, sustainability and all that, which are absolutely the future and are absolutely more and more relevant in procurement. But if you're not getting the cost reduction, um, then it's hard to engage in all those other discussions with the business. So uh, productivity, I, I see that as the thing that, that keeps the, the lights on, if you will, for, for procurement, something we always have to deliver. Uh, similar with cash, um, so driving cash improvement in terms of average payment terms, um, uh, in terms of purchase material inventory, uh, driving improvements there, real improvements um, uh, is, is a relevant KPI. And then of course you have the, the operational performance uh, metrics like uh, quality, on-time delivery, uh, lead time of, of, um, of your suppliers. Um, and then maybe the last of the real traditional things would be just compliance, right? So uh, compliance to, to um, our quality audits, uh, compliance to all the sustainability requirements that we talked about earlier, relatively black and white things, right? I would say uh, looking a little bit more on the leading edge uh, of what I see as the, the KPIs that are really going to help us drive the, the transformation we're trying to drive. Uh, first and foremost, you know, complexity. Um, we, we have a very complex supply base, mostly because of just the heritage of our company. Um, it's a collection of dozens of, of individual companies that have come together over the course of the last few, few decades, right? So we have a very highly, highly fragmented spend, um, a lot of suppliers. So we measure, of course, the number of suppliers. We also measure um, how many connections do we have from supplier to factory, right? And we have specific targets around reducing those things. And, and what we're seeing is as we reduce those, the number of suppliers, as we reduce the complexity, we free up resources and free up energy in our, in our organization. So for example, we went from a couple of hundred uh, packaging suppliers um, in Europe continental Europe um, a couple of years ago to today we have one, just one. Um, we used to have eight people uh, in procurement managing packaging. Uh, now we have one, right? And, and one is probably too many even, right? Uh, because uh, it's tremendously simple having just, just one supplier. So uh, complexity measures are, are, I think, very relevant, at least for our business and hope, hopefully for many others. Um, you asked me about startups. You know, we're measuring how many innovations are coming in um, to, to the business from startups and from mature companies. Uh, what's the resulting business impact in terms of revenue, in terms of, of bottom line from those innovations? That's something that we follow. Um, we're following stakeholder satisfaction. You know, while on one hand, we want to drive compliance to our processes internally. On the other hand, we want to make sure that our, our internal stakeholder, stakeholders have a good experience so they keep coming back to us instead of trying to, to get around us, right? Um, we also measure um, the engagement levels of our people, of our teams. That's super important. Um, you know, we want to have an engaged workforce. Uh, so we have an annual survey that, that Schneider runs on a global basis um, that we in procurement uh, slice and dice our segment of that to really understand you know, where people are engaged, where they're not, why, and create action plans um, around that. Um, and maybe just one other KPI to mention. I said we have a lot. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> yes, you were, definitely weren't kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we started measuring, uh, well, I think it was last year, um, the, the amount of revenue that we're generating from suppliers. So this is not a 
procurement KPI, it's definitely a sales KPI, right? But as you mentioned, um, you know, we have products and solutions that can really help just about any kind of manufacturing company uh, in terms of uh, driving energy efficiency and sustainability improvements uh, that have a real bottom line impact on, on their business. So what we've, what we've been doing in procurement is opening doors for our sales teams to our uh, mainly focused on our more strategic suppliers uh, to, to bring in the ecostructure suite of solutions uh, to help them drive um, efficiencies in their business, which, by the way, when it works well, we end up benefiting from because our suppliers are becoming more efficient and they can offer us more, more cost reduction, right? So um, it's something that I think is unique. And, and honestly, you know, as a procurement professional, the, the last thing you want to do is um, complicate the relationship of your supplier with cross-trading topics. So it's not about that, really. Um, we really kind of um, are, are doing this strictly on a basis of, of helping our suppliers become more efficient. Sometimes they go for it, sometimes they don't. We don't hold them accountable either way. Um, we just open the door and we've seen um, uh, a tremendous amount of, of growth because, you know, especially the most strategic suppliers are, are, um, are always going to listen to the sales pitch, right? Um, and, and if they buy into it, then, then great. If, if not, then we haven't lost anything. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I think is innovative in terms of the KPIs that we measure. Yeah, I've never heard about this actually. Well, so far, I've not, not really heard of this. So that, that's quite a, that's quite, that requires quite a different, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, in procurement, typically, uh, there's, there's one type of skill set, but this almost is, you know, it, it's not almost, it is a sales, uh, it's a sales pitch. Um, so very interesting, uh, very interesting approach. And ultimately, as you said, it, I mean, if, if your uh, suppliers find it useful, why not? Um, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So um, very interesting. And Radu, let, let me... If I could, if I could just clarify uh, on that a bit as well. So we're not selling anything, right, in mm -hmm. procurement. Um, but for example, uh, we had our uh, recently um, in Barcelona just a few weeks back our global supplier day, mm -hmm. where we invited 120 or so of our uh, most strategic partners, say, um, for for a day of exchanges on on the usual topics, right? Um, and on the second day, uh, one of the things that we offered to suppliers optionally is come, come have some, some what we call B2B workshops, business to business workshops, where we had our sales team uh, basically pitching our solutions to our suppliers. Um, and that was tremendously successful. So that, that's not a job that, that procurement did, right? We just invited the sales guy in to, to, to make this pitch. Um, uh, and again, we just opened the door, right? Mm -hmm. um, heck of a lot of effort from from procurement and it brings tons of value to the business um when when you do such that got it no 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 it's clear yeah it's still it's it's a you know it's a it's a good initiative and um good way to to put things and again it's a good way to position procurement as a partner to the business um exactly. and as an equal to the business so that's that's also very good uh, kind of moving to the final bit of our discussion uh, and maybe uh, lastly but uh, but not at all lastly <laughs> if i can do i can say that it, about talent and about people and about the type of skills that we need in procurement for the future where where do you see it going um specifically let's touch upon a sensitive topic right so we talked about data lakes we talked we talked about automation ai artificial intelligence is thrown about at every conference i think way too many too many times but there is a reality that that machine learning, that automation, that that's going to be 
um, a lot of things that will be streamlined and, and, and automated in procurement. So where do you see the skills that procurement professionals will need in the future increasingly to stay relevant in the first place? Yeah, you know, in, in, in Schneider, we, we want to position ourselves to be the most attractive employer for procurement in, in our industry, right? So um, hopefully some of the things that I've described supports that. Um, but but one, one thing that um, is going to make us different from all the rest is definitely the people. Because, you know, we, we can have all the best processes and all the best tools and technology digitization in the world, but all of that can be copied. For, for me, the one thing that can't be copied is, is uh, the, the capabilities, the energy, and the engagement of, of the teams um, and the quality of the people. So it's absolutely um, uh, it, it, at center stage for me in terms of enabling all the things that we've talked about today. Um, and I think you, you, you're, you've strongly hinted to some of the things that uh, I see as, as gaps in Schneider and probably in many other companies as well. And that's um, you know digital acumen for sure, um, myself included in this, right? Really understanding the art of the possible with respect to digitization, what it means for 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 daily work. Um, this is uh, um, a, a skill um, that is um, absolutely something that needs to be amped up, I think, in many procurement organizations. Uh, another thing that I would highlight is is business acumen. Um, Again, many of the things that we talked about uh, uh, re require us going well beyond, say, the traditional uh, competencies that we have in procurement, right? Yes, we have to be good at negotiation, for sure, right? We have to be good at contract management. We have to be, be good at, at these kind of traditional procurement processes, but really to take it to the next level, we have to be business people. We have to understand, you know, wh what is it um, about our business model that creates value for shareholders? And what are all the things that procurement could be doing to uh, enable that, right? And, you know, we're, we're a function that works very uh, cross-functionally. You know, we're, we're every day sitting with R&D, with finance, with, with manufacturing, with quality, et cetera. Um, so to really uh, understand how the whole uh, network of, of business operates um, and kind of being the one that fills the gap in between functions is, um, is, is key. So we need people that are, that are open-minded and, and willing to step in and fill those gaps. And I can give you an example from, from my past. Um, way back when I was, I was uh, my first CPO gig was in Thomas and Betts uh, in the US. Um, this is like 10, 12 years ago. And one of the gaps we had was between purchase price on raw materials and the selling price of finished goods. You know. It, it, in procurement, we absolutely had the responsibility to buy as well as we could. And in sales, they absolutely had the responsibility to, to execute um, uh, you know, price increases. But what got lost in between is the translation of, of, those, uh, of inflation in raw materials into individual product pricing. So we took the lead in procurement. We developed tools and systems to, to make those calculations. So if aluminum, copper, and steel went up by X, Y, and Z percent, what did it mean for a, a particular product that had different levels of content of all those materials? Um, so we served on a silver platter to the sales team, exactly the, the, the price realization they had to get in, in the market to cover that inflation. And I don't think, you know, traditionally in procurement, you wouldn't do such a thing. You would just, um, you know, uh, buy as well as you can, right? So to have people that are, that are willing to, to step one step beyond at least uh, kind of the boundaries of the traditional procurement function, 
uh, and be be brave to to step into that world uh, is is important and, and and is I think something that can really differentiate um, uh, a procurement team. Hmm. And I wanted to ask you, and actually we, we, we got together through the Procurement Congress event that you will be attending soon, and uh, the important topic that you mentioned is also about developing talent, right? So it's, it's, it's attracting talent is, is one, that, that's your employer brand, that's you know, your, your image in the outside, but then once you get them in, there's, there's obviously a plan to develop and retain your top procurement leaders. What, what are you doing at Schneider Electric on these two topics, developing and retaining talents and in, in actual fact a lot of the times retaining comes because of developing isn't it so uh, tell me a little bit about yeah. this yeah uh, great great point i think you know fundamentally the organization setup of supply chain um in in schneider is a big supporter of this now org design doesn't solve everything but um you know i mentioned procurement is fully centralized and we're, we're actually part of a broader global supply chain organization that is also really centralized, right? Um, my, my boss is the, the chief supply chain officer and basically every factory in the company is reporting into him. So with that, we have, um, you know, these, the procurement, logistics, uh, planning, you know, all, all the main supply side functions uh, together with manufacturing in one large organization. And with that, you have massive career development opportunities. It's, it's much easier for us in Schneider to share talents um, and to give the best talent the best opportunity at the best time um, as compared to a company that is more segmented and, and fragmented by, by business or, or by geography. So um, we have this environment that, that is well suited for, for developing talents. Um, and, and I think we have um, uh, a good purpose, right? It, this is a meaningful place to work, right? Um, Schneider, you know, the, the, the world uh, is becoming more and more electrified. Um, Schneider is delivering to the market, uh, you know, digitized solutions that um, result in very tangible and substantial improvements in energy efficiency. So it's it, being part of something um, that, that is meaningful to, to me is very fundamental to um, the engagement of employees. And, and it's a very, a very personal topic for me as well. It's, it's um, one of the main reasons um, that, that I came into, into this company. So having that meaningfulness having you know the, the opportunities to, to 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 move around into more interesting roles and we have a, a leadership team that is very willing to take chances on on young talent with with high potential and we do that on a on, on a quite regular basis final question from me in terms of uh, all the younger um, professionals uh, in procurement listening to this podcast now uh, aiming one day to become a chief procurement officer and as well as you know listeners in general what was the best career advice you ever received that helped you most in your uh, in your progress so far to to CPO? That's a great question. There's actually two things I think maybe I'll mention. Um, first and foremost is advice that I took from my wife <laughs> a long, long time ago. Um, and, and in case she listens to this, I, I must say that it's the best advice I've received. <laughs> um, I was uh, <laughs> I was working. Um, for, for Rockwell uh, for the first seven years of my career. And it was a, a very safe company, um, interesting place to work. I had many different roles, right? Um, uh, I was always challenged, always engaged, um, but I was getting a little bit bored and I found an opportunity at a company called Danaher, 
which probably everyone knows now because, you know, Larry Culp is the former CEO of Danaher, now the CEO over at GE, right? Well, I had an opportunity to jump to Danaher at a time when no one had heard of this company. Um, I think Larry Culp was just one or two years into his uh, tenure, tenure as, as CEO. So it was a big risk. I, I perceived it as a big risk. It was a relatively small company at the time, a few billion in, in revenue. Um, and it was my wife actually that convinced me. She's like, what do you have to lose? <laughs> if it doesn't work out, just, uh, just figure something out, right? Um, so take chances is, is, is the, uh, the, the message here because I made that jump and, and Danaher is a company still today where um, if you have uh, energy and potential, um, they, they'll just continue to, to pile on uh, more and more challenging work. I was only there three years, uh, but it was, uh, I, I probably received 10 years of experience in that period of time uh, because of the environment that I was in. So take a chance when you have an opportunity uh, go for it. And, and if it doesn't work out, then, then um, uh, something else will. The other thing that I'll mention with respect to career advice is uh, a former Boston mentor of mine. Um, when I was having my first development discussion with him, he asked me what my ambition was. And I indicated, well, I'd love to have your job. He was the CPO um, at the time over at, at ABB. And he said, well, you can't do that unless you get your MBA, get your advanced degree. And at this point, I was already 40 years old. I thought I was too old for that. Uh, but he convinced me to look around. I found a program that I really, really liked. Um, and I went for it. And that was one of the best decisions I've made professionally. Um, uh, I went to an executive program for about a year and a half. It was a very, very, very challenging year and a half. But um, from that, I've, I've uh, developed a whole new level of leadership skills. Um, I've developed also you know, lifelong uh, professional contacts and friendships, frankly, that are totally in, invaluable. Um, and also I've, I've um, they, uh, realized kind of a new thirst for learning, right? Um, I read books now regularly, which is not something I was doing uh, prior to, to doing the MBA. So um, take chances and, and uh, uh, never stop learning are, are my two biggest pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. Or if I can rephrase, marry wisely. And <laughs> there's the. I got lucky in that. But that, that uh, you know, that's great. Uh, that's great pieces of um, pieces of sharing. And I'm also, uh, you know, I'm also convinced. I, um, I I'm fundamentally family and and our wives play a very very important part in uh, in in our development. Um, and as well, uh, lifelong learning is is. Uh, so so crucial, especially in today's uh, today's environment. But anyways, any, any, everything changes uh, drastically and rapidly. Um, Dan, thanks a lot for all the sharing, for all the case studies, for all the good examples. It was a pleasure to have you with us today, and uh, and all the best, uh, all the best in the future endeavors at Schneider Electric. Thank you very much, Rado. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to go to www.elcodglobal.com and click the podcast button for all the show notes of the interview. Also, subscribe to our mailing list to get our latest updates first. If you're listening through a streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher, we would appreciate a kind review. Five star works best to keep us going and our production team happy. And of course, share it with your friends. I'm most active on LinkedIn, so do feel free to follow me. And if you have any suggestions on what, what to do and who to invite next, don't hesitate to drop me a note. And if you're looking to hire top executives in supply chain or transform your business, of course, contact us as well to find out how we can help.